The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, the power of positive policymaking around the world. You get more bees with honey or with Arthur Brooks advising you. When you mandate vaccines with the law, you lower the support for the vaccines by 40 percentage points. Add on top of that, telling people that they're stupid and evil for not doing it, you're going to get protests. And we check in with Cameron Mitchell, who runs 40 restaurants nationwide. We've been following his progress throughout the pandemic and inflation is hitting him hard. Highest cost of goods I've ever operated in my 42 years in the restaurant business. Plus, is the pandemic done? No one's going to ring a bell when it's over. And the latest from the Russia-Ukraine border, from the buzz of the media world, and game time, who's your favorite? Are you surprised, Andrew, that I'm a big boomer, Pat Sajak fan? It's Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three... Two, one, cue, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Good afternoon. Today, I'd like to provide an update on the crisis involving Russia and Ukraine. If Russia does invade in the days and weeks ahead, The human cost for Ukraine will be immense. And the strategic cost for Russia will also be immense. If Russia attacks Ukraine, it'll be met with overwhelming international condemnation. The world will not forget that Russia chose needless death and destruction. President Biden warning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine is what he says distinctly possible. Even as Moscow claims it's withdrawing some troops from the border, President saying he still wants to give diplomacy a chance, but he's also telling the American public an escalating conflict could have an impact at home with rising energy prices. So uh, a lot of folks were breathing a bit of a sigh of relief yesterday based on some of those comments by the Russian minister. We brought them to you live right here on SWAT. As the markets were moving and they they moved positively as a result, but um, then President Biden coming out with these comments. So... um, Lots of back and forth. Who to believe? Who to believe? Um, and for a while, people, you know, there's been one side that said that, that, that Ukraine never really necessarily believed that it was going to be imminent. But that seemed like they were just whistling past the graveyard for Zelensky to try to keep his people calm and to not worry about it. And that we were hyping the possibility. And um, I, I don't know whether that's true. A lot, of, a lot of people say Putin already got what he wanted. Energy prices are, are up. And um, uh, I guess, you know, he can Place do... on the world stage, Joe. Place it, on the world stage. Well, right. What about the cyber attacks? Cyber attacks place, also getting, accomplishing what he wants. The, yeah. Right, taking place on this. You can say you're going to pull back, even though, look, at this point, NATO's secretary general has said that, that they're not seeing any pullback in the troops on the ground. So far, we have not seen any de-escalation on the ground. On the contrary, it appears that Russia continues the military build-up. 
can make these comments, and it's, you're hoping it's a way to an off-ramp to avoid some of these things. I certainly hope that's what's happening. The, the, the ridiculous, like, almost, it looked like almost a play where he said, you know, maybe we should have some more negotiation. Because, yes, let's pursue what, that ridiculous uh, set. The way that Russia does so many things in terms of propaganda, where you're watching and you're like, are we really supposed to be believe this? And they don't care. They, they, they do. So I don't know. I don't know what... And this could be a long process, just because it doesn't happen today, tomorrow, next week, next month. Uh, who knows whether Ukraine ever can, that's why they, I think they want to be in NATO for a long, so they can plan long term, because right now I don't know if, if Ukraine can plan long term for being independent. Look, the good news is the longer this goes, the less of an immediate threat it becomes, just because winter is not Europe's friend when it comes to this. They are reliant on Russian natural gas to get them through the heat, right. the notes that they need heat. So the reason you see the pressure right now is because right. it, it, it really puts them in a very difficult spot. The warmer it gets, the little more room there is to breathe for them, too. Yeah, I was thinking about, I mean, we do have it pretty cushy. How do you like the, the, a Russian winter? on the front lines of Ukraine. And I mean, I, just think about that. We're very lucky. We're lucky we're, we're here. I, I think I'm glad I'm not a troop stationed on the, the Belarus border. Let's get to Moderna CEO, Stefan Bonsell making headlines overnight. Uh, it was, this was an interview with Squawk Box Asia. He was asked about the perception that the pandemic may now be in its final stages. So I think that is a, a reasonable scenario. And the way I think about it is I think there's an 80% chance that as Omicron evolves or the SARS-CoV-2 virus evolves, we are going to see uh, less and less virulent viruses. There's, I think, a 20% scenario where we see a next mutation, which is more virulent than Omicron. I think we got lucky as a world that Omicron was not very virulent. We've always hoped that as in previous uh, pandemics, we've seen the, the virulence go down and down and down. I don't know, 20% that it could be more virulent? I, guess, I don't know. I don't, you know, you I mean, need to. When you too were much first for me. 20% is still too high. I, yeah, I, I, I felt great. I, I love that uh, Stefan is saying that the end looks like it's here for this. And that, that made me really positive heading into this. But listening to what he actually said, a 20% chance of a, of a more virulent, of a more virulent strain, that's, that's not great. One well, in we're five. torn between, uh, you know, there, there will be variants and natural immunity as well as uh, people that have triple vaxxed or whatever, yeah. they may not be as effective, but if they're partially effective and it's much, much less virulent, that's sort of what we saw with Omicron. Right. Less if it keeps virulent, you out of the hospital. partially effective, it, it's become more of a, you know, kind of a, a really bad uh, uh, flu, whatever you want to call it, but not, you know, you're not on a ventilator typically unless you have comorbidity. So, I, I mean, I've assumed we're in the final stages just based on herd immunity. But you worry about herd immunity not being effective against a, a, a right. new variant. Well, That's and the there's problem. still a huge portion of the global population that has not been right. vaccinated, does not have access to vaccines. And that's where you worry about what kind of strains are developing in those areas, too. Um, so, again, we are very lucky to be where we are. This is probably it doesn't. No one's going to ring a bell when it's over. But I think I, I agree with him. And I. I like I said, I, did, I, I wasn't going to say stop the presses, Stefan. We all sort of uh, were already thinking about this, yeah. but it was good to hear. And Disney announcing that starting this week, it will drop mask requirements for vaccinated visitors at its U.S. theme parks. That change takes effect tomorrow. 
The park says that face masks still will be needed for visitors who are ages two and older on enclosed transportation, things like the resort's monorail, buses, and the resort's sky, gondo uh, sky gondola. And I guess the question becomes, how do you prove that you're vaccinated? How do they kind of keep track of that, especially if, okay, you get in the park, how, do, how are the employees supposed to know who are the ones who are vaccinated and who aren't? It's a good question. I don't know how they're going to do that. I'm probably, it's probably just relaxing that's coming along with everything, but that would be the one thing. Like, how are you supposed to know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't unless they have some card or something? Maybe they do. We got some more media news this morning because uh, Warner Media CEO Jason Kotlar announcing the departure of executive Allison Gallas. She comes now just two weeks after CNN's president, Jeff Zucker, stepped down. We should say fired uh, after failing to disclose a consensual relationship with Gallist. In a memo last night, Kylar wrote that an internal investigation found violation of company policies, including CNN's news standards and practices by Zucker, Gallist and former anchor Chris Cuomo. Gallist had put out a separate statement last night accusing Warner Media of retaliation. She said the company is trying to change the narrative after its disastrous handling of the last two weeks. So, um, a lot of folks focused on that. There was a story in the New York Times that sort of went through piece by piece what exactly happened over the last not just two weeks, but frankly, past four months um, and the arguments around what what was going on during these internal investigations, what really led to it with Chris Cuomo, uh, perhaps this other an, another woman uh, who, who had come forward. Uh, fascinating reading, but um, you mean the woman the from story Cuomo's is, uh, past? The people here were shocked. I was walking around with a copy of the New York Times, uh, taking it, you know, into makeup and reading it. That's it took a story about media and all of us, uh, not all of us, but you know, we feel that we're sort of in the media. We know all these people, worked with all these people, and that's what it, I was reading the New York Times. Uh, I, I, I just I, I tried not to read anything else, and I tried to like cover my. I don't want to see any of the other stuff, but. Um, but this I did, I did, and it's a huge article with a lot of really sort of uncomfortable things about the relationship between everybody. With the, and they call them the Cuomo brothers, which sounds like, I don't know what that, that sounds like, but uh, kind of an interesting piece. A lot of, and it goes, way, it goes back to before Zucker was even at uh, CNN, remember? He was, even before he left here, and Allison had arranged a clam bake for Cuomo that went so well. Well, Allison had worked for Cuomo, and that's the part that people did. I, I mean, he, people knew no, that, though, over the past two weeks. I don't no, think no, that part it, it was, was new. It was before but she worked for it, Cuomo. She worked for Cuomo after she did so well on the... If you read the piece, she worked for him after she did so well organizing the, the clam bake was when she went to work for him. So it's all in there. Um, more media news. We love media, don't we? Everybody at home is going... <sighs> but Viacom CBS is renaming itself the company, revealing how... Uh, it will now go by Paramount Global. Never knew what a Viacom was. People called it Viacom. Even people that were in the know called it Viacom sometimes. Uh, it is effective today. Paramount Global. It's global. Next on Squawk Pod. At the height of the coronavirus pandemic in March 2020, restaurateur Cameron Mitchell closed his doors and laid off more than 4,000 employees. We don't have contingency plans in place for the absolute unimaginable. 17 days ago, I thought our business was in great shape and doing great, and today uh, it's closed. But today, even with rising inflation and labor costs, Cameron Mitchell Restaurants is making the comeback of a lifetime. I'm optimistic that hopefully uh, this might may not be the end of, of COVID, but at least we have it under control. So I'm optimistic about 22 and, and the future of our industry.
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Stand Becky by. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Becky Quick. Small businesses, especially restaurants, have worked tirelessly to try and weather the COVID storm over the last two years. Unfortunately, some didn't make it through. And for those that did, they're now getting hit with something else. Supply chain issues have led to higher prices across the food industry, with food prices surging 7% in January. That marks the sharpest rise in food prices since all the way back to 1981. Joining us right now to weigh in on how his own empire is handling it all is Cameron Mitchell. He's the founder and CEO of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants, and we've been checking in with him since the very beginning of the pandemic. And and Cameron, it's good to see you this morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Becky. How are you? Good, good. Um, You made it through COVID. You managed to bounce back from that. And now you're dealing with this inflation issue in a big way. What what has it meant for your operations? Well, it's uh, the highest uh, cost of goods I've ever operated in my 42 years in the restaurant business. Uh, By way of example, Last year, our cost of goods were 29.6% of sales. Uh, this year, 33% of sales so far. So that uh, 3.4% uh, increase as a cost uh, is uh, severely impacting our bottom line. Uh, and then we have labor right behind that uh, is another uh, huge cost increase we're dealing with uh, on, on our cost front. How much is the labor cost increase? Labor is up about 13% overall, and cost of goods are up about 11% overall. So uh, it's certainly something we didn't expect, nor do we need, uh, coming out as we recover from COVID over the past two years. What what does that do to your profitability? I mean, if you're talking about such big increases, both in labor and in, in the cost of food that you're bringing in, um, those seem like they're probably the two biggest line items you might have. Yeah, there's a couple of positives there. One, uh, you know, the labor cost itself is good for industry. We need to improve our wages. So I think that's a good thing overall. Um, we have, uh, uh, we, we can't price our way out of this. Uh, we are taking a little more uh, higher pricing uh, strategy as we go through. Uh, in years past history of the company, we've raised our prices uh, 2% in the spring and fall. Uh, last year, we took an additional 2% price increase in the summer. And we'll follow that same strategy uh, this year. So uh, at the end of the day, though, uh, we prior to Omicron hitting, we were up about 23% in sales over 2019. So we were experiencing robust sales. Uh, and I'm hopeful uh, the remainder of 22 will see some of that same uh, uh, sales level. And that helps offset some of the impact of the higher prices 
uh, in both labor and food and, and all of our other supplies, by the way, are the same same boat. So um, we can't price our way out of this, but with the increase in sales, if, if we get back to where we were um, with our, our price increasing, we can not maintain our profit margin, but uh, with a higher sales and a, and a lower profit margin, still glean uh, 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 a, a pretty good profit over the course of the year if all goes well. Hey, Cameron, are, are you back at full capacity in all of your locations at this point? And, and what are sales looking like? We are. Uh, we find we've got one more brunch to open up across the system. But uh, uh, and, and, and the problem with those, uh, some of those reopenings is the labor, but labor has gotten better. We're about uh, uh, 95% of our normal workforce in the restaurants right now. Um, so we've got a lot of overtime and our productivities, though, is as high as it's ever been because there's no time for anybody to stand around. So um, it's it's not too bad. Um, and we're certainly well better off than we were uh, last September, October, for example, or July, August. So uh, I'm feeling a little better about our labor position at this point. You said labor's come back. To what do you attribute that? Well, I think just more people getting in the workforce. The uh, U.S. restaurant industry added a million jobs in January, um, uh, which has helped. Like I said, we are, are close to our pre-pandemic levels as far as staffing goes. To me, it's not a problem. We were uh, short-staffed and running tight pre-pandemic. So we're we're still, you know, every restaurant is short four or five associates, uh, and we're making do with overtime and, and uh, um, a lot of hustle out there. So. You always hear that the restaurant industry is a particularly difficult difficult one, that margins can be razor thin. My guess is because you have so many restaurants, you've found a way to, to be a little more productive and have a, a slightly fatter profit margin. But what are you talking about just in terms of profit margins, what you can operate on, what it takes? Well, example, if um, we would normally run at you know 10% profit margin uh, for the year if all went well in a good year, um, we, you know, think this year we might be at 7%, somewhere in that ballpark, 8%. So still profitable, uh, but that's only due to the increased sales. I will tell you, you know, if uh, Omicron 5 comes along, et cetera, uh, and we had depressed sales uh, across the system or across the industry, uh, we'd have rolling closures across the country. There's no doubt about it because restaurants cannot survive uh, with these increased costs if sales were either normal or normalized or, or down. And uh, so fortunately, sales are, are up right now. We have a saying in the industry here is sales cure all. So if, we, if we're getting the sales, uh, uh, we're going to be able to survive. I'm guessing you and your, your staff must be pretty exhausted after the last couple of years. How are you all faring? Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, you know, like airlines, we have, uh, if you're a restaurant manager in today's world, uh, uh, we have unruly guests. Uh, we never spent a dollar on security in our restaurants uh, prior to COVID, and now we spend about three quarters of a million dollars a year on security wow. uh, to protect our managers and our staff uh, uh, from some unruly guests that happen in our restaurants. Not all the time, it's a small uh, proportion of them, but uh, you know, uh, we still have them and they, they affect you know, the safety and, of our people, which is paramount to us. So, What, what, what do you think is going on? I mean, just it's not just air rage, it's kind of rage in general, not just road rage. Right, I, it's, it's all three of those. I mean, I think it's, it's rage in general is the best choice of words there. Um, you know, so it's difficult for our managers. And then they're dealing with short staffing. Uh, certainly when the Omicron hit uh, in late December and January, you know, uh, we had uh, a dozen, I mean, hundreds of staff members out uh, and it was very difficult there. And then we've got the rising costs uh, 
and, uh, and supply chain issues or people are constantly uh, uh, scrambling to get product in, et cetera, that we need. So it's, it's very challenging for our, our day-to-day operations out there. Cameron, just want to say thank you to you and your, your staff, your, your crews who are on the front lines with all of this stuff. Um, it has been a lot, but we yeah. appreciate everything you all have done, and it's really good checking in with you again. And uh, just want to say thanks for keeping at it. Well, thanks, Becky. It's, it's clearly the, the most challenging uh, situation in industry that I've been in, I've operated in the past uh, 42 years. So, uh, but I'm optimistic that hopefully uh, this might may not be the end of, of COVID, but at least we have it under control, hopefully, with the antiviral pills and the therapeutics that come out this summer. Um, so I'm optimistic about 22 and, and the future of our industry. But uh, yes, it has been uh, uh, very, very challenging over the past couple of years. From your lips, but uh, congratulations and keep keeping up the good fight. Good to see you, Cameron. Thanks, Becky. Appreciate the time. Take care. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, love, global politics, and happiness in life's second half with Harvard professor Arthur Brooks. Persuasion requires love. Coercion takes force. And in a free society, persuasion beats coercion. That conversation plus this moment from our TV broadcast, Squawk's regular trivia question, sponsored by Aflac. Who holds the Guinness World Record for the most game show episodes hosted by the same presenter? Our guess is, and the right answer, right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, Andrew Ross Sorkin, and their game show guesses. Now the answer to today's Aflac trivia question. Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy, presided over the show from 1984 to 2020. Okay, I thought it was three people. It could possibly be Joe, Bob Barker, Alex yep. Trebek, or Pat Sajak. Those were my I thought, three. That's what I thought, too, and I looked it up. You looked and it I up. Thought it might, I thought Go it ahead. might be Pat Sajak. Cause I, do you guys follow I, him on Twitter? Yeah, he, yeah. He's very funny. Yeah. And he actually answered me the he other did? day. He did? Yes, he did. And I, I wish he'd come SmackDown? up. And a Pat Sajak, no, answered me the other day on Twitter. Wow. He, he, yeah. And it was cool. Here's, here's what he wrote the other day. I'm going to do this really quick. He said he had an interesting weekend at the mall. He was wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses, minding his own business. Then a loud yell, hey, it's Pat Sajak. Lots of pictures, autographs, and he had to leave without finishing his shopping. And then he said, I'm almost sorry that I yelled. <laughs> That's like something. You get he it, Andrew? He yelled, it's Pat Sajak himself. Yeah. 
Even though he had, I, you, you get. What was that soap or something? That old soap opera thing that, that he says funny that stuff. That happened, yeah. He says he gets out of the shower. You should have worn a morning. mask like like Kanye did at the Super Bowl. Right. He gets out of the shower every right. morning and his wife dresses him with her eyes. That's another. <laughs> that's another good one. He's funny. Very clever. And he's iconic. And I want you to come on, Pat. I want you to. Can you believe I'm a big? Are you surprised, Andrew, that no. I'm a big boomer? Pat Sajak I'm, I'm fan. I was a Wheel of Fortune fan. I am a Wheel of Fortune fan. I mean, Pat and and uh, and, and Van, and, and Van, I'm Van useless. White. Van I'm White. useless at doing I'll, it because I, I just put I the letters together. I don't know how we're going to transition to this next story, but Good we're going to go try. The Canada convoy protests have grown from a group of truckers protesting cross-border vaccine mandates to now become an anti-restriction political movement, snarling commerce, stoking political tensions in the Canada, in Canada as well as here in the U.S. and around the world. For a closer look, let's welcome Arthur Brooks, American Enterprise Institute President Emeritus. He's a, a Harvard professor and a senior fellow. He doesn't want to just speak in, in, a, uh, in an echo chamber. He goes right in to the mist of Harvard to, for, for a lot of his uh, opinions, which takes a lot of, of bravery and... and uh, and everything else. He's a contributing writer for The Atlantic and the host of How to Build a Happy Life podcast. His new book is From Strength to Strength, Finding Success, Happiness, and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Life. And I do want to uh, talk to you about that as I, as I am facing that, that in coming years, uh, the second half, uh, Arthur. Oh, uh, aren't we all? Aren't we all, Joe? I'm yeah. happy now. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I'm happy now. <laughs> I think I'm going to continue to be happy, although I'm I get these weird feelings in my middle finger that it's got to be arthritis. Anyway, the March cover story for The Atlantic is adapted from his new book. So let's talk first, though, about these, these truckers. No yeah. less, no less than the New York Times op-ed page after, you know, taking a couple of the commensurate shots at Trump uh, for politicizing uh, this movement. They do come down on his side. Uh, saying allowing nonviolent, even if disruptive, protests is an important tool for maintaining social cohesion in a polarized society. So that's from, from the New York Times. But Trudeau at this point actually, for the first time ever, invoked these orders to make orders or regulations that are believed to be necessary to the issues uh, at hand. And he's getting a lot of flack for this because it wasn't uh, long ago uh, when Mr. Trudeau was, was saying, we will always stand behind peaceful protests. It was after a year-long protest in India uh, that snarled traffic and blocked uh, roads and everything else. He said, we would never do that. What happened? Well, the biggest problem is, is this iron law of leadership, which is newsflash, you can't insult people into agreement. All of this comes from the fact that the, the Canadian prime minister was talking about them, those unvaccinated people, those people who want to go without masks as the other, as terrible people. I mean, he used the worst language about this that we've been seeing on TV. And guess what? People don't like that. People react and sometimes they react in even bitter and even violent sometimes or un, very unproductive ways. So number one, this is a failure of leadership. When you have a crisis, that's when a leader is supposed to bring people together, not to set people against each other and to insult certain parts of your citizenry. It's just the worst case study. Look, I teach leadership at the Harvard Kennedy School. And, and this is the first thing that we talk about. If you're trying to insult people into agreement, you lose. There's a great new German study on this, by the way, Joe, that shows that when you mandate vaccines with the law, you lower the support for the vaccines by 40 percentage points. Add on top of that, telling people that they're stupid and evil for not doing it, 
you're going to get protests. President Biden has, has spoken similarly about the unvaccinated. Half of the population vociferously speaks about that half of the population as either deplorables or, or ignorant or, or killers or, or whatever else. We see it every day. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge leadership error. Look, I'm vaccinated. I think people should get vaccinated. I think it's a good policy. But look, the point of the fact is that not everybody agrees and you're not going to persuade them by telling them they're stupid and evil. Look, ask Hillary Clinton how well it worked to say that half the country were deplorables. That's the hockey stick in the support in the 2016 campaign. And the same thing happened to Justin Trudeau. It's a lack of discipline and it's a lack of sort of this notion of solidarity in a time of national crisis. We need better leadership. It's kind of a smug position, too, that, that when the science was changing so much it, it, on a daily basis to, to be so strident about things. But what are you going to do? Let's move on yeah. to now. As I say, I am facing I am facing the second half of, of, of my life. I'm already happy. Why do you need to tell me how to be happy? I need to find purpose or something or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, you need to go from success, which you have in abundance, to real significance, because one of the things that I've found oh, no. over the last eight years is research project <laughs> is, well, I mean, <laughs> who among us? But, you know, the point is that that you can't leave your happiness up to chance in the back half of your life. I always thought that kind of, you know, sure, I hope I'm happier when I'm 75 than when I was 25, but there's a lot that you can do. And so this is a book that gives a step-by-step seven-part plan that mimics the habits of the happiest old people. What can you do at 25 or 45 or 65? How old? I'm I'm happy now. At 90, I might have some issues, I think, although I think I might be okay. uh, Yeah, well, if you do the right things now, you will be happier at 90. That's the thing. If you actually do the seven things in this book about thinking about things where you can get stronger as opposed to thinking about the good old days when your career was in its heyday, Mm. by instead of adding stuff to your life, taking things away from your life so that you can reveal the most important things to you to build the root system of the relationships in your life, to Joe, to start walking your spiritual path again. These are the things that I talk step-by-step, how people do it and how we all can do it. And we all deserve to be happier when we're older. And that's the point of the book. Hey, Arthur, I have a different question. I I just want to go back to what you're saying about how to approach this. And I actually think, frankly, that I have failed uh, in the the sort of arguments about uh, vaccines, in some cases, masking and, and the like because of this sort of larger issue in terms of trying to persuade people um, and trying to do it in the right way. But at the same time, as I was listening to you, I was thinking to myself, here's a guy who's always trying to persuade people to, to, to and, and across all walks of life on both sides of the political party. I got a little button here. I have this little button and uh, there are times when I when I reach for it and it's like it doesn't work. But uh, then again, there are times when it's just so good. Uh, anyway, Joe's uh, got a kill switch. I, I, I can't believe switch. it. Oh, my God. It's, it's I, it, <laughs> I would take half my salary. I, I would if I had that kill switch c- could actually go in. Uh, Look, I want basis. Andrew back. Let's hear what Andrew was saying. What happened to Andrew? Here. I'm right here. I, I, oh, I, okay. He really did back. get the kill. Okay, he I got turned the it kill back. switch. I, I don't know what happened. But, I turned no, back what on. I was going to say ahead. is. As, as you're making these arguments, yeah. you take a shot at Hillary Clinton, you take a shot at, at, at Biden uh, as demagoguing and, and, and criticizing people. And then obviously there was a president in the middle who was probably worse at that, you know, more complicated, at least I'll put it politely than any of those pre- any of those those folks. And I just I don't understand why you do that. I know you're a conservative, but I, I, yeah. I think when you're trying to bring people under the tent, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't say, you know what? Like, this is how it's happened. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, let me continue then. You're absolutely right. This is one of the greatest reasons that that President Trump was not reelected because he was unable to bring the country together again together during this huge crisis during this coronavirus epidemic by setting people against each other. It was a huge mistake. It was exactly the same mistake, Andrew. I'm not being inconsistent here. And by the way, let me talk about a politician that I really love, which is Mitt Romney. Look, in 2012, he was I think was terrific. I wanted him to win, but in 2012, when did his campaign go south? When it was leaked, there was a, a fundraising video where he was talking de- derisively about huge parts of the American population. You can't do that. Look, if you don't love everybody, if you don't believe in the equal dignity of all people, you can't be an effective leader. Republican, moderate, or Democrat, it doesn't matter. It's the same for all of us, Andrew. Is that better? It, it is. And I think actually it's persuasive. Thank you. I mean, thank you. And look, again, I mean, this I mean, is the we, point. This is the we, point, we've Andrew. Been talking Persuasion. For years. Yes, for sure. Persuasion requires love. Coercion takes force. And in a free society, persuasion beats coercion. Oh, God. Uh, I'm back to having big, big issues, big problems with uh, with with what with what I'm fate with what I got to do, uh, Arthur. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Arthur, at, at this point, I. I I think you're failing miserably uh, in, terms oh, no. of, in terms of this country, in terms of uh, healing the, the, uh, the divide. And it's not your fault. And you're giving good advice. But I don't. Um, how do you in the end, how do you see this playing out? How do you see uh, we're going to have blue uh, have a blue state, red state split of, of country, which I've actually seen proposed? Uh, by people? Yeah, no, I've seen that proposed and I've seen that in other countries. I spent a lot of my time, time in Spain and Spain is facing exactly the same kind. And many countries around the world are doing that. I actually don't think that. People are sick of the polarization. People are sick of the coercive leaders that are trying to, to, to turn us against each other. 93% of Americans say they hate how divided we've become as a country. That's a big entrepreneurial opportunity. Some great, I mean, and this is ordinarily the way it works, where you get polarizing politicians, people get tired and people start to unite. Look, the late 1970s, we, we were, were all old enough, or most of us are old enough to remember how polarized the country was at the end of the Jimmy Carter era. Ronald Reagan, like him or hate him, like or hate his policies. My parents said, if Reagan wins, we're going to be in a war and granny's going to be out in the snow. But one thing I tell you is even as a kid, I was watching Ronald Reagan. And I said, weird, I'm from a really progressive family and he loves me. That was the secret of, of you know, how Reagan actually was able to have not just a lot of popularity, but to create a lot of strength in this country. And a Democrat can do that, too, by saying, I won't lie to you. You may not agree with me, but I will never lie to you. And you will never think that I don't love you and your family and have the best for you in my heart. Hey, Arthur, um, you know, rage is pretty prevalent in this country at this point. Yeah. Road rage, air rage. We just talked to a restaurateur who has started having to hire security to protect his staff. He's been in the business 42 yeah. years and has never had to do that before. What the heck is happening? Yeah, I mean, we're in this part of the cycle where the bitterness is actually starting to play out in all sorts of very, very unproductive ways. Now, part of that is not just political contempt. Part of that has to do with the fact that we have a kind of a rolling mental health crisis on the back end of the coronavirus epidemic. People have been frustrated for a really long time and it's it's starting to play out. Not a big surprise, as a matter of fact. I think that we're actually going to be dealing with a lot of pretty unproductive behavior just simply because of the mental health issues that have come and and the lingering mental health issues as we're unable to grapple with what the end of the coronavirus epidemic means. So I think that there's a lot of that going on as well. So the books for everybody, I mean, I I get stuff all the time from millennials and generation, whatever they are, that uh, 
they think they're going to live forever. They don't. They don't. They don't yeah. ask. They ask for whom the bell tolls. They don't know that it tolls yeah. for thee. And that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think everybody can <laughs> learn from that, right? And and with yeah. some age comes some wisdom, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. You know, the beautiful, most beautiful thing is I teach a class at Harvard called Leadership and Happiness, and it's wildly oversubscribed, not because of me, but because people want to be happy. And when I talk about the fact that they can put deposits in the bank to get happier as they get older, they can look forward to the back half of their life, not to live forever for no particular reason, but to have more meaning, to have more purpose, to actually have more success in the way that they treat other yeah. people and have more meaningful relationships. They say, yeah, bring it on, bring it on. We got to go. I, I want to live forever with, with absolutely no purpose. That, so I do want to do that. <laughs> um, but uh, Arthur, and, and we may, I'm still hoping for the singularity, the Kurzweil singularity. I want to download myself onto some hardware and uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, then yeah, we can I, copy you. I can have you in my house, like in my, in my Alexa or something. That's an idea. I can say, hey, hey Joe, <laughs> what are you thinking about today? And you'll answer go. me in the morning. Arthur, I feel better. I don't know. I feel I'm like I, I've been watching Joel Osteen or something. I, I feel better. I just feel I feel closer to God after talking to you. Thank you. It's always good to it have you on. Makes me happy to be you, with you. I love you all. Thank I love you, you too. I love I love you too. And, and wait a second, your book, your book. Yeah. You got a quote from the Dalai Lama, the twelfth <laughs> son of the Lama. The Dalai Lama himself gave you a quote. Big hitter, that yeah. Lama. Yeah, right? a big hitter. Big, he's a. He's, he's my teacher and my mentor and my friend, and I have so much love for him. Has he ever said it was for him. Has he ever said Gunga? Galungalo? Never to me. That's all Never I'll say. You. I'll leave it at that. That's the only <laughs> said it to one person, to Carl Speckler. Thank you. Uh, good, good to have you on. I had to get that in. Nice to see you all. Uh, all right. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You can tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Tweet us anytime. You don't have to be Pat Sajak, but maybe it helps. Our handle is Squawk CNBC. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show, right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.